I might have to put my foot in my mouth. Is that how the saying goes? Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic Thoughts. Today, I want to discuss, um, well, uh, actually a couple things in the industry right now that's been piquing my interest, but first and foremost, uh, Halo Infinite. I didn't think I'd cover this game again unless something major happened. And I said a while ago when I went back to review it, I said, this game is incredible from a mechanical standpoint, the way you can play it, the flow of combat, the pacing, all that, right? The golden triangle rule. But it ain't great. Like, it's lacking content. It's not balanced. There isn't shit to do. I've never played a Halo that's so bland in terms of its general content pool right when you jump into a halo regardless of how you feel about the flow of combat and the pacing and the, you know a lot of people who uh deep throat cod every day thinks halo isn't great that's fine but the thing is that like halo has a very unique style of gameplay usually it's okay uh unless they had jetpacks that didn't work anyway um halo infinite really melds bungee and 343 kind of perfectly in my opinion with the movement and the combat and the weight and the the crunchiness of how it all feels it feels very fluid it feels really good so what's the problem because that's usually the hardest part the balance making sure it feels fun to play and is replayable in the sense of the gameplay it's very satisfying when you get a kill the time to kill it in it encourages gunfights but it doesn't have them linger forever and when you play Halo, you know people have a shield, an overshield on. It's, it's and it regens. It's not like COD where like you get a bajillion hit markers. You're like, what the fuck is going on? I'm using a, um, you know, a five five six. This should be hurting them, right? No, this is pretty, uh, pretty standard Halo stuff. So that's not really the issue. There's some issues there. There's some bug fixes, balancing weapons that are so fucking weak. You might as well never touch them, um, right? And that's okay, that's always going to happen. But the problem that Halo Infinite faced at launch, which was acceptable for the first month because it technically launched earlier than they said they would as a surprise to celebrate the 20th anniversary, to kind of beat out the competition with COD and Battlefield, all that. And it worked well, and it was really fun, and it was free. So it fucking crushed it within its first month, and it had that beta tag. And what people suspected, or expected, as I did myself, is on December 8th, it's full release date, that once that comes out, we'll get way more maps, playlists, some cleanup, bug fixes, content. The rest of the game comes in. Not just a... Not just a beta. So what happened? Nothing. On December 8th, the campaign came out. Fine. And a small patch with some bugs and balances. And I think they added one new mode, but I don't even remember. And if they did, it wasn't great. Or it wasn't bad, it just wasn't who gives a shit, sort of. Like, alright, whatever. You know? So it was all that kind of stuff. Um, Which is wild bananas that they did that because Halo of all things COD and Halo and Battlefield um, hate them, love them have thoughts on them, fine but one thing we can all unanimously agree on they've been around long enough they've been important to the video game industry they've created very very passionate fan bases 
the easiest thing they can do is implement content. Why? Because they've been around forever. And in fact, some of the modes that they have created back in the day spawned how games, first-person shooter multiplayer specifically, but in general, how games divvy up, con divvy up content. And by content, people, I mean maps, game modes, weapons, progression system, just the shit you can interact with and play. And Halo, for all of its problems it's had with Halo 4, 5, and so on, uh, even Master Chief Collection at first, Master Chief Collection didn't have really a problem, it was just buggy, it just didn't work. It was too, because it was so fucking complex for the time, when it came out in 2014, 2015, it was a fuck ton, 2013 I think even, or 2014, there was a fuck ton of stuff to maintain at first, so it took a couple years for that to get really fluid, now Master Chief Collection is one of the most prime example and definitive ways to look at how to enhance and remaster an entire franchise, including the multiplayer, keeping it all on one singular dedicated pool of players with new servers, um, improvements and stability, optimization, some gameplay balances, but keeping all the aesthetics, just bumping up the visual quality and the frame rate and the stability and fixing some bugs that had to do with limited hardware back in the day on older games. Halo Master Chief Collection is the definitive way to play any kind of remastered game to go and play remastered maps with the same exact mechanics that you had back in the day, but on servers that aren't closed and um, on better uh, playing versions of itself. It's the definitive way of doing it. So if you're a Halo fan and you don't have Halo Master Chief Collection, go get it. Whether you have Game Pass, download it. And here's the thing, people like it's such a big game, it has all these games, you can choose what to install from it. Not initially on the download, unfortunately, but once you have the game fully downloaded, you have to have enough space to get it all in there, and then you can quickly uninstall what you don't want. If you don't want the campaigns, you can you can basically you choose between campaign and multiplayer for each game that's in there. Because Halo Master Chief Collection has uh, Halo Combat Evolved, Halo 2, Halo 3, Halo 3 ODST, Halo Reach, and Halo 4. Uh, they'll probably add Halo 5 at some point. I don't know. Um, and then obviously Halo Infinite is its own thing. So um, that's a lot of fucking content, people. It's one of the most reputable video game franchises of all time. The amount of modes that you can mix and match, because you just select them, you filter them out. Oh, I want to play Halo Reach modes and maps, and I want to play SWAT and Snipers and Assault, or Slayer, you know, and you load in. And it'll put you in the Halo Reach maps with the Halo, and you can, key, and you can button map it to the specific Halo game of your choice, as well as some other general options. It's just perfectly done for what it is and what it's trying to do. I, I mean, obviously there's always room for improvement, but it's just a really, really good example of done right. And why I'm mentioning this is the amount of fucking content in that game, obviously because it's six games or five games combined in one, but still, the amount of content from the modes, the maps, and the diversity, and you can customize your Spartan and all that, is insane. And people, Halo doesn't have guns you customize which isn't a big deal it never has but the thing is that that's a huge facet of customization and progression for many games like battlefield like cod like others 
kitting out your weapon. That is what changes the balance of the game, and that's what a lot of people like to grind for camos and for better attachments. I am one of those people when it comes to other games. But Halo is an arena-style uh, uh, FPS. You pick up the guns, or you start with a base gun, and you can pick up the more powerful weapons. That's just how it works, and it's and it's great for what it does. So the problem that Halo Infinite had at launch is it had like two or three modes and like five maps. Okay, fine for beta. They added one mode and like one new map. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? And some of the maps are only limited to big team battle. Okay, that's fair. Um, so that counts in that pool of maps. Like there are six total maps. I'm just fucking amazed at how limited the content was. And people, we didn't get new content. Like genuine, substantial bulk of new content and fixes and optimizations for six months. Eight months, really. We had a few playlists, a few updates, a few small balances. And that was good. They added Team SWAT. They added a few other modes. They added like one, one map in a mid-season update. Oh, God. They drip drip fed and fucking slowly. I've, I said this before. When you're doing a live service game and you're updating content and you're doing a seasonal-based thing, if you're a franchise like Halo or COD or Battlefield or something that's been around for 20 years or that has enough content already established as precedent, limiting that content at launch is a clear and decisive move, and players know it. They feel it. They're like, what the fuck? We used to have this, now we don't. Now, to be fair, in Halo Infinite's defense from a financial and from a legal standpoint, they are technically allowed to do that as in a multiplayer game because they didn't charge you up front. It's a completely free game, whether you have Game Pass or not. Even if you don't, if you have PC and Xbox, it's free to download and play. And I'm going to tell you guys this much. For a free-to-play game, this is probably the best-made free-to-play game out there. There's never been a Halo that's been free to play, by the way, so that's an incredible move. And that's why they have Battle Passes, and, and that's partially why they're allowed to get away with it as much as they are, because no one paid for them. We, we didn't, you're not, you didn't pay them $70, so the service that they have to provide doesn't have to be as consistent, in my opinion. I just think that's the logic behind it. I don't think that's right. I don't think that should be the case. I find that egregious, because they still need to uphold their word to the fan, and they need to be mindful for their own sake, for their own work, in their own game. They're passionate. They love the game. They're not trying to make it worse. They're, they aren't. Uh, you could be mad at 3 for 3 for the decisions they've made, and I am too. And you could be mad at Microsoft for the decisions they made, and I am too. But you can't deny the fact that parts of both of them, and if not the whole of them, do want to produce a good game because they care about Halo. Halo is a very special thing to them. And when you play Halo, and when you look at the way they talk about it, even when... It goes through its worst times. You can see, you can tell that they still care about it. It doesn't feel like how Activision treats COD. I mean, obviously, Infinity War, Trek, they, they care about COD. And I'm not dissing any devs, but the publisher side of it doesn't give a shit. They're just printing money. Microsoft gives a shit. And if you don't think they do, regardless of if they fucked up or not, which I think they did in many aspects, as a whole, they still give a shit. If they didn't, they would have put it out in 2020. They would not have delayed it a year to fix it. The community gave feedback. They realized Microsoft delayed it a year to not launch with their new newest-gen console, which is a staple in Microsoft for having Halo launch with new-gen, if possible. Um, 
And they pushed it back a year to give 343 time to fix it. And boy, did they fix it from, from what we saw from the E3 demo. So, I mean, in many ways, kudos. They did a good job. But I've said this enough. Halo Infinite's a good game, but it, it's, and it's not even, like, buggy. It, it works pretty good. I mean, it can be buggy. It's not perfect. But, like, overall, it's, it's pretty fun. It, the problem is there's not enough to do. It's really a problem. Like, you get in there, and you will get bored after 30 minutes. Not because of the gameplay. Not because of how you progress. Battle Pass, they need to improve. They've, they've been slowly improving progression. They need to have cross-core armor. They need to have better customization and progression in terms of visual aesthetics. That is how you get a level of progression since there's no weapon trees. That's fine, but they need to improve that. They have been, so no real big biggie there. They've been fixing that. But the bigger issue is there's not shit to do. Still, to this day, it has been a year since this fucking game has come out. And I'm tired of it. But I will say this. They added Forge Mode. And holy fuck. That has changed everything. Let's get into it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all doing well. I was pretty much going to make this episode about Halo Infinite and then sprinkle some other stuff in there. But I've decided to kind of change my course. And I'm now going to make this entire episode about how important updates and continuous patches and content improvements are to um, live service games. And I know that's kind of an obvious thing, but that's just going to be the more broad strokes, and I'm going to look at it more uh, in close comparing the large AAA first-person shooter franchises. So, Halo Infinite, as I talked in the previous segment, great game in its core gameplay mechanic loop horrible and lack of content just like to the point where even a non-halo fan would be looking at that and be like what the hell happened i thought you guys had all these modes and things that people could do you know it's those kinds of things and what forge added was essentially game development let me try to see if i could stress this enough Halo Infinite's Forge mode is probably the most incredible Forge mode that's ever been built for Halo. And also the most complex. Like, holy fuck is it difficult. Now my dumbass thinking I'm a, oh I could be a game developer. You know, sits and really gets into it. But I made my first Forge map on there, which I'm very proud of. My friends can attest to it's brilliant. <laughs> it's called the Ramp of Death. Basically, it's this large ramp with explosive coils of all kinds dropping down out of the sky and blowing up on the ground. You have to race all the way up, make this huge jump, hit this teleporter, and then you win, and then you can pick up some weapons and fuck up your friends who are trying to race. It's not very complex. It's very simple in its overall design. But my god, was it difficult to learn. But I think this was a great opportunity for me to learn the basic mechanics and get comfortable. Because now, now I'm very comfortable. Well, not, I mean, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But but now I'm, I'm, I'm far more comfortable than I was um, playing around with uh, with it all, you know, and it's, 
it is very complicated. There are so many assets to use from buildings and decals and decorations and 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 uh, the, the items and objects and fixed and static and all these things. Um, you can resize them. You can click them together. You could you. It's pretty much all the assets. I would imagine almost all the assets in game. And then here's the extra layer of complexity. You can do basic script uh, writing and programming for these things through nodes, through visual nodes. So you open up the script board and you can say, uh, you know, cause, cause and effect chain reaction sort of events. Or you can trigger dynamic responses. And then, of course, you can test it in two ways. You can just test general scale by just switching back to your Spartan out of the Forge Editor little robot orb floaty thing for those who know Forge or you can hold down and test it full in terms of health and damage and fall and all of the mechanics and all of the physics are um, live you can save iterations and stuff it truly is an incredible piece of work um, I'm not a game developer um, I like tinkering around and playing with it, making some bases and stuff. It's so time-consuming that, like, and it's fun, but it's like a very, very more, it's like a really complex Minecraft, or just a more complex Forge, I guess. You know, I used to play Forge a lot in Halo Reach, and that was pretty much it. I never touched it in Halo 5, because by the time it came out in Halo 5, I was long gone from that game. Um, I touched it a little bit in Halo 4, it was alright, um, but Halo Reach is where Forge was my first Halo game, was my first rated M game, will always have a special place in my heart, as I've said many a time, and Forge mode was just an extra layer, I mean, wow, like, there you could build all these things, and then sh shoot your friends and stuff, and have all these prefabs, and I miss it, I really... <laughs> makes me nostalgic. I miss those days. I miss building sniper bases with my buddies and trying to shoot the shit out of each other. You know, having a weekend where we would just play those kinds of games. Forge, big team battle, team SWAT, team snipers, not a care in the world, infection, you know. Not a care in the world. It's a Saturday. It's in 2013. I'm 13. I'm in middle school. I think the world is a stressful and exhaustive place. It was. A lot happened when I was 13. And in my upcoming music, you'll hear more about that. But anyway, um, but still, you know, some somewhat simpler times where I could just sit and game all day. Which is funny, because today I've, I've had, uh, I've been, you know, with my life, it's, it's one of those things where it's like crazy amounts of really productive, really insanely busy making film, writing, uh, music, um, doing schoolwork, uh, promoting and, and creating content for Psychic Brand, just all this stuff all at once. And then there are days or, and or weeks, but right now it's usually just a day or two in between where it's fuck all nothing, which is good. Means I'm getting what I need to get done and uh, I've got time to breathe in between. So, one, so today's going to be one of those days where I just game. But Forge Mode and Halo Reach was one of these things where it was complex but it wasn't too complex it just allowed you to build stuff and it was simplified it was designed so a 10 year old 12 or 13 year old could pick it up and figure it out which was me um but it was also designed for people who really wanted to get into it a little more you know teenagers and adults this time around though honest to god i don't think a 10 to 12 year old would want 
to fuck with this mode. Not because it's not great, but because it's very complex and overwhelming. Even the amount of buttons it has, whether you're on controller or PC. Now, I, ha I play Halo Infinite on PC, but I plug in my controller. Not for the regular base game. Um, I like keyboard and mouse. I love controller too, but I have an Xbox. Like, I've been playing controller all my life. If I have a PC, I'm going to use the keyboard and mouse. Unless, of course, in certain games like Rocket League, you know. There are games. Elden Ring, right? Um, though I usually play Elden Ring on my Xbox anyway now. So, anyway. Um, but for Forge Mode, I actually use both keyboard, mouse, and controller for certain things. And it's weird, because like, on controller, it shows and allows you to do certain things where it doesn't as easily allow you on the mouse. So, I usually use mouse and keyboard for faster navigability navigation typing shit obviously and then like mass selecting and dragging and moving stuff that's what i usually use the mouse and keyboard for and then everything else finding items and locking it in and resizing it and lining it up i use controller so i actually use controller for like 70 percent of building it and now i'm pretty i'm learning both and what's great is i've got friends who are on pc and i've got friends who are on console so it's good for me to learn both at the same time and that's what I did. I had a few days off. Didn't have anything to do. New Forge mode came out and I played around. And you guys may not know this about me, but when I have a project, personal or, you know, that was given to me, I'm going to try to do it to the best of my ability, right? And, like, really make sure it's high quality and I really put in the time. But the, that means I might just sit there and work on that project for five, six, seven hours straight without, like, a piss break. <laughs> Not really. I would still, you know, pee and drink water and eat. But, like, but seriously, like, I really wanted to build this Infinite Forge map thing before the weekend, before Friday night. So my buddies, when they got on to try it and download the new update and more seriously play it, they could have a map they could play. I think I spent a total of six and a half hours on this map. Once again, not a very complex map, but I was learning all these new features. This mode is complex, but it's nice because it allows you to maneuver the way you want. Now, I do have some problems with Forge. Some of it is just too mechanically complex. Movement's a little too slow. Selecting, grabbing, resizing items and certain key button mapping things feel awkward and I do wish we could button map the general movements and what does what at least some of it the more basic movements at least and grabbing and selecting and all that because like on a controller hitting B on Xbox which usually means crouch right for for um, PlayStation folks that would be right like circle you know um, it's usually like crouch or back up or you know what I mean? Or descend. That's usually what B is mapped to across the board universally. And then A is jump, right? The traditional Mario A is jump. Go up. Ascend. Yep, not in Forge. Fucking in the regular multiplayer of Halo Infinite, it's that way. But no, in Forge, it's flipped. Pressing A goes down, pressing B goes up. And there's no way to change that, that I know of. There could be. Uh, I haven't found it. Keyboard and mouse makes sense. Keyboard and mouse is like W is W's forward and all that, but like um 
But if you're looking up with your mouse, then W is up, and then S is down, I believe. Or maybe it's C, but I have C button mapped as crouch for me, because my hands are weird and the way I, I hold position on the keyboard. <clears throat> I never like control as crouch. I, I never got that. That's, that's a little too far for me. It's, I mean, I can hit it, but that's just, it's inconsistent. It's not where my hand position rests. But I realize that I don't, I don't think I put my hand properly. Like, I put my, I put my thumb on spacebar for keyboard mouse players. Don't be too horrified. I put my ring finger on W. put my pinky on A. Um, my middle fingers can hit E, R, and D. And then my index finger can hit R, T, G, F, V, and C. Um, works just fine for me. I don't know. Everyone's different, right? Anyway, so some of the button mapping is weird, but the complexity of Forge, and when you look at other people's designs, oh my god. You, I mean, it's like modding, but it's in-engine, in-Halo assets. Some of the people that are making this stuff are should be hired. <laughs> They're making maps. First of all, there's this recreation of Blood Gulch. Holy fuck. Wow. It is so good. It's better than any recreation, remaster of Blood Gulch I've ever seen. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's someone else who's done it better. Uh, I have yet to see it. It looks, first of all, it looks beautiful. It's laid out pretty perfectly. Um, and knowing how complex it is, just building a ramp with some fucking explosives. A lot, by the way took forever and I really have always empathized and found intrigue in game design I'm not gonna do it I don't have the wits to do it but I've always found it of just a fascinating form of art and mechanical and technical skill and I had to do a lot of balancing in my own map and mode because I had these explosive coils because I didn't know how fixed and programming and static and all these other things worked at first I had these big coils that started from the sky, fusion coils and shit, right? Um, and, and variations of such. Fall from the sky while you're racing your mongoose up this ramp, causing some obstacles. That, And so, as I was adding them, it was a balance of, you know, not adding so much it breaks the game, but then also adding enough where the explosions hurt you or scare you or excite you, but not just fucking murk you against, like every turn and at one point I added this little cluster I had copies in the sky of three or four coils uh, two one or two regular fusion coils two hard light coils and then two of the kinetic coils the kinetic ones are the more like just like a frag grenade explosive the hard light coils are like scattergun laser shotgun blast those things are like a gauze turret cannon if those explode and the projectiles that fly out of them which go very far if they touch you you're immediately incinerated so <laughs> as cool as that is that's what started to add the legitimate threats and the physical damage to players when driving up that so it was a balancing act and at one point i had this little cluster up in the sky way off in the distance and when you start the match, I wanted a few explosions to go off in front of you. And I wanted them to spook you. I didn't want them to hurt the player, nor did I want them to destroy the very vehicles they need to race immediately. And at first, what I did by accident is I was lining it up way off in the distance. And I put it way off to like the left quadrant of the starting line, way high in the sky. 
so far away from the starting line, and the way it was angled with those hard light coils, as soon as I did this test simulator, uh, did the full test run through, when it fell and it exploded, the hard light projectiles immediately shot through and destroyed the entire line of mongoose and blew them all up, including anybody standing next to them or on them in three seconds and vaporized everything. So basically, I just just one cluster of fusion coils. I had so many copies of them throughout. One cluster immediately broke the entire balance of the game. And it took me a second to figure out which one it was. And I kept testing. I'm like, is it just a fluke? And I tested it and tested it and tested it like three or four times. And I thought it was fucking hilarious for one. And I thought for a minute, maybe I just keep that in there just to piss off my friends. And I'm like, no, that's so unfair. I, you can't do anything. It's literally broken. I accidentally, so I deleted those, you know. Uh, and then the problem was remedied. Sometimes it's simple stuff like that. And sometimes it's more complex. And it was a balance of like doing all that. And I had to manually figure out, okay, this one's hurting this one. This one's disabling this one. Right, this one's exploding too soon. This one's killing people too quickly, or me killing me too quickly. So all these things I had to test out. Those were one map, people, and it's not a complex map. It's not the most visually intriguing. It's just a big ass ramp with some explosives and some. It. I'm very proud of it. I'm not dissing it. It, it took a lot of work, and I think it's incredible. But I'm not like it's also like not compared to some of these other ones. So, anyway, I'm really excited by this Forge mode. It adds a great new amount of depth and content and a breath of life that Halo Infinite desperately needed because it was on its dying gasps. And I honestly didn't think I would talk about this game in a positive manner other than still holding to light how good it plays and how fun it is. And that's, you would think, like, that is the most important part. But if you don't have, a, if you have a really fun baseline but you have nothing to use in the sandbox that's i mean once again halo reach dropped with if i'm not mistaken i could be wrong but they dropped with like 15 game modes or 20 and maybe they added a few later but they they had they started with over 16 to 20 game modes at least and variations and stuff um they had the full campaign which is phenomenal rogue one took a lot of inspiration from it they had the entire firefight, which has always been fun, split-screen or online, just facing waves of the Covenant. Holy fuck. It's actually pretty hard. They had custom games, which I'll get into in a second for Halo Infinite. And then they had Forge. And even beyond those things, Forge and custom games, which were really expansive. But within the multiplayer, they had, like, a fuck-ton of maps. And some of them were the best maps... I've seen in Halo. Some of them are re remasters or reworks of classic Halo maps. Um, and there's so many modes. Like, the Halo Reach, when it dropped, was so content-packed that the entire community had enough to play with for, well, four years. About three, four years. And, and honestly, it's still such a good game, and I'm so glad they remastered it. It's one of my all-time favorite games. Yeah, the controls are a little finicky. And I remember I went back and played the remastered, had a blast with it. And if you're a fan of Halo, go check out Halo Master Chief Collection. But um, I had a blast with it, and it occurred to me, like, man. I mean, Infinite was out at that point. And like, man, Infinite plays so well. And it is such an improvement and a good blend of Bungie and 3 for 3. And, and it has the, enough of the new modern twists that 
make it feel like a modern Halo mechanically and movement and shooting and all that. But everything else isn't all that. Like, visuals are good and all that, but, like, optimization's okay. It's just, like, there's not... It's not fun. There's nothing, like... None of the maps are unique. I don't give a fuck about any of the maps. They're all forgettable. Um, the weapons are all right, but, like, some... Most of the ones that we all love are just classic Halo rep weapons. Nothing new, right? And, you know, it's just... It's just everything else kind of lacks. Um, and it's, like, if they just had three or four maps, or if they just said, fuck it, threw their hands up and did remastered maps that we already love and remastered modes, nobody would fucking complain. We don't need... If you can't come up with new creative content which is abundantly clear at this point then fucking just remaster stuff we love yes we have halo master chief collection where those games are literally just remastered that's all well and good but why not have a rework of sword base it is called halo infinite and if it is a seasonal drop thing there's no reason to make this the new standard where yes you have halo master chief collection which literally remasters halo games but why not have a few classic maps? I mean, look at COD, right? COD MW19. They have some remaster maps. Now, they're within the Modern Warfare branch. You're not seeing Black Ops maps in there, so I get it. But, like, you're still seeing remastered maps. They, I mean, that, I, you know, and those are some of the most fun and most played. They were so well designed back then, having a little overhaul... Fixing the bugs, making it a new graphically and visually impressive looking map, and just, it's familiar, it's good looking, and people love it. And, you know, there's still original maps. Like, there's no problem with that. You can still have that. You know, let's say a new game drops with 12 original maps. Okay, that's fine. It's, you know, if it's a bigger game like a COD or Halo, that's a little underwhelming. If it's a, you know, indie game, that's that's real healthy, you know, it just depends on the context. If it's a franchise where there's hundreds of maps or that we've played throughout that franchise lifespan, you'd be like, all right, 12? That's the best you can do in three years? 12 maps? Seriously? Um, okay, but that's fine. Well, then add six that are remastered reworks of ones we love. That way we have some familiarity and consistency and a larger pool to just load into. Halo Infinite has still not done that. When the first season was called Heroes of Reach, you would think we wouldn't just get cosmetic Reach stuff, which is dope, but you would think we would also get, like, oh, I don't know, a couple Halo Reach maps. Why not get a remastered Sword Base, a remastered Reflection? Um, Jesus, like, I don't even know, like, um, Canyon, which I think that's what it's called, right? Which is a ba basically, it's just Blood Gulch. It's just Halo Reach's remaster of Blood Gulch. So why not just get a remaster Blood Gulch for Infinite while we're at it? Fuck, the one in Forges that the, this Forge person did is so goddamn good. Just use that one if you don't want to really build one. Just have three or four ones, you know? If you're doing these seasons where they're like flashbacks to other Halo games, why not? That would spice it up. That would liven it up. And then also maybe add some modes. People, Halo Infinite's been out for over a year, for a year now, the multiplayer. We don't have an infection yet. Not in the main playlist that I'm aware of. Maybe I missed it, but that's one of the key pillar modes, like in Halo. Like, it's always been there since it came out, since its inception. People have always loved it. We, we, it's not to be seen. You can play it in Forge and in custom games. And that's the other thing. So, what's great about Forge is 
custom games now works too. So once you finish your, your map, your modes, you can make a new mode as well as a map and balance it and script it. I mean, this is the most complex forge. It is basically a, a, a dev kit. You can just make a new map and mode for Halo rendered in all its glory. It, I mean, it's stripped down and it's probably now streamlined and you probably don't know what you're doing as well as the devs, but like, I've seen some maps where I'm like, well, this looks better than anything that 343's done for Halo Infinite. This is impressive, and it's more fun to play. The only downside is you can only play it with private uh, people right now. It's not a public just search for a game and load into that map because it's, it can only be accessed in Forge mode and or in custom game mode. Now, of course, you can go on Discord, and you can find servers, and you can find people who want to play these modes, and that's, that, that sounds really fucking fun. And maybe on my free time... I might just do that. I joined a Discord server where I could do that. You know, hey, you know, we're doing 10v10 on, or 6v6 on Blood Gulch for, for the day. We're just playing Blood Gulch <laughs> for a couple hours. Or classic maps. Valhalla, Blood Gulch, you know what I mean? Okay. You know, sign me the fuck up. You know, just, just join in. You know, you just friend one of those people or the host or whomever. You get in there, you have a good time. That's all well and good. And the fact that they even have that working is beautiful. We'd have a huge issue if it didn't. Otherwise, people's creations couldn't be uh, experienced. You know, the fact that they can... I honestly didn't know if they would even have that at first. I knew I knew they, they needed to, but I wasn't sure if they would actually have that where you could publish your work publicly. People could play it in their own custom game. The only thing they need to add now is a rotational playlist or a system in place where you could just publicly load into people trying to play that map. You know, even if it's a, even if you have to contain it so so it doesn't break your game or whatever, you know, just make it a specialized playlist where it's like community playlists, community maps and modes, and you click that playlist tab and it will load you into a game, and it will pick out of the top 100 or so for that month. Uh, most popular or most played maps, modes, and things, and then, uh, or 75 at the top, and then have another 25 just variables sprinkled in new ones, or, or things that have had updates and revisions, or, or whatever, or just have a, a way where they have to vet it and at least allow it into the playlist if they must manually look at it, which is understandable, um, for, to make sure there's nothing too explicit, or to make sure that it works, you know, um, and then have the credit to the people who make it. That'd be dope. If that was just part of the public, that would, that would, I mean, the whole point of Forge is essentially to help alleviate the work of the devs, too, and let the community create what they want to play. That's phenomenal. Let's just have and see more of that. But as it stands, the fact that they've added this mode single-handedly has lifted Halo Infinite into a new stepping stone. It is still a long road to recovery because there's one thing where it's community-led, and that's all well and good, but if the devs aren't still doing their job to, to do the work they're getting paid to do, um, that's still an issue. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't alleviate or completely mitigate the fact that these devs still need to create new maps on their own and modes and just implement them into full, choosable options and rotational playlists. Um as well as weapon balancing and adding new weapons and vehicles and fix the fucking vehicle mechanics. Good God. It's been a year. Okay, I get it. First couple weeks, first month. Vehicles a little, little stiff, a little weird to figure out. 
There's a lot of variables in game design. I get it, but you guys are a massive company. You've had this game out for a year. Fucking make it fun to fly a damn vehicle. It's stiffer than my morning wood. Jesus Christ, it's ridiculous. It really is. You can't fly a banshee efficiently. It's like flying a, a large wooden plank. That's, that's about as much flexibility and maneuverability as a fucking banshee gets nowadays. Like, what the hell? You know? So it's stuff like that. Um, still, it needs those things. It needs new maps from the devs. It needs new modes from the devs. It needs new balancing optimizations and reworks from the devs. But when all said and done, Forge Mode is basically a dev kit. And it's open to the community. And you can build the craziest shit imaginable within Halo. I saw someone build... I, I, you, you might have seen this. They rebuilt in scale a Toy Story w world, Andy's bedroom. And you are a toy action figure Halo. And I've watched it. I, I haven't played it yet. I'm going to find it and play it at some point. I've seen gameplay. It's fucking incredible. I mean, it, even down to the details. Like, Slinky looks like Slinky. And trust me, I've developed the ramp. They're using all in-engine assets. That's not easy. You can color and, and paint stuff. You can... I mean, it's absolutely insane because the amount of tools at your disposal in Forge is all there. It's not just prefabs or prefits. Um, those are there, but it's very specific, granular stuff. And then the way you can maneuver them, that you can twist them, bend them, rework them, resize them, snap them in a different location, paint them, um, articulate motion into them, animate them if you must, or at least create some dynamic scripting where shit happens to them if you can't animate it. Like, there is so much at your disposal that someone was to somehow... They made a very accurate looking toy. In fact, when you watch it, unless, like, when you watch the gameplay, if you don't know Halo, like, obviously the way, like, the HUD looks and the way they're holding their guns, and specifically, like, the Halo assault rifle is iconic, right? And it's in its design. But let's be honest with ourselves, people. If you just saw someone run through that, I guarantee you, if you didn't see the Halo HUD and the weapon, you would think that we got a new Toy Story game. That's how real it looks. And it wasn't some extra tool. It wasn't unreal. It wasn't any of that, which is all cool. It was all done in this mode. So people are now able to stretch the bounds of their flexibility, whereas previous Halo titles, when you made Halo Forge, it was cool, but it was clearly Halo. Like, everything you designed was still clearly aesthetically and mechanically Halo-looking. And this still is, for the most part, but if you're really good at what you do and you spend a, probably a metric fuck ton of time on it, it's like mods. We, we can now build worlds and as well as game modes and program it, and eventually they're going to add AI that's programmable. So basically you can build entire worlds using Slipspace, using Halo assets, but you can make it seem like a completely new game. It's incredible. And it adds a lot of variety and depth and replayability. And the fact that we could play other people's builds with your friends in custom games or meet random people through Discord or other places to go find a custom game together is amazing. So if they add a general public playlist rotation where you could just load into them without having to meet people outside, and, you know, some bug fixes and optimization, there's some crashing, there's some hitching, there's some... Frame rate, frame rate dips when editing Forge Mode, all understandable. This just came out, and it's very dense. 
um, as well as that they just streamlined some stuff, um, made a few things a less, little less uh, clunky feeling, but to be honest, the more you do it and the more you get used to it, it becomes way more streamlined and fluid. So kudos to them. This has single-handedly helped Halo in ways I could have never imagined a Forge mode to do. They also had a co-op campaign. They've done some optimization. They added two new uh, multiplayer maps. Who cares? They don't look that interesting. I mean, they're, they they play fine, but they're just not that memorable. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, Halo Infinite's Forge has really put this game in a new new light. And I can't wait to see what they come up with in, in the future of it. Because this wasn't even a full seasonal update, folks. This was a mid-tier, mid-season winter contingency, which I love the name of that, update. Um, which is dope. If this isn't even a full season thing... First of all, folks, let's just get one more thing out of the way. I'm not forgiving them for the stuff they've missed. I'm just very proud that they're finally taking the steps they need to amend what they've done wrong. This all should have been there at launch hands down but i'm glad we have it now i'm glad it works it is very complex so i guess i understand why it might have been delayed and took taken time and uh so yeah i'm really excited to see the future of halo infinite and i hope the best let's get into some other games specifically mw2 and how it's handling its content how do you beat a dead horse more and that's what exactly i'm about to do um but here's the thing um, I'm not gonna completely shit on MW2 because everyone's doing that and that's boring. And I have a whole podcast episode talking about the glaring issues that absolutely need fixing. And here's the kicker. Today's the day that Season 1 just dropped. Like, as I'm recording this, Season 1's downloading for me. Because I was busy last night and I wasn't able to pre-download it. So, um... It's kind of funny I even bring this up. I was planning on talking about this a couple days ago. It has nothing to do with the timing. It's just coincidence. But, that being said, I want to talk about COD MW2 in relation to Halo Infinite. And a lot of other games in the industry. Battlefield. And, you know, that's all I can think of. <laughs> for AAA first-person shooters that have been blockbuster franchises for a while now, these are the top three, right? And what's interesting about these for the past few years is these games have had issues beyond comprehension, right? It's like they lost their identity and they lost their technical prowess in some regards. Now, here's the kicker. Sometimes these games, like, still look and play better than, you know, so many other games. Like, you can tell the polish is there. MW2, when it's working, is playing phenomenally. Halo Infinite the same way. Battlefield 2042, but anyway. Um, so there's no doubt there. It's really not to do with the core of the gameplay loop. because And, and that, I think that's why it's so frustrating for people. Because a lot of the times on years like this with Halo Infinite MW2, most people can agree the core gameplay loop from the, from the movement and the shooting and the mechanics and the graphics and the visual animation and the artwork and all that and the aesthetics and it all kind of melding together is really qual high quality and good. Even if you don't particularly like the balancing or particularly like the way it's slower or faster this year round for whether it's COD or Halo or whatever. Or you don't like all the gadgets and equipment. That's one thing. That's balance. That's optimization. But most people can agree it looks and plays pretty solid. Like it feels real good to play. 
when it works. And that's a huge issue to have to say on these games. I have played better streamlined and more efficient games from devs of four, five, six, or seven people than I have of devs of 300 plus people who've had three years, and that's a billion dollar franchise industry. I understand game development's a very hard, mechanically complex with a lot of variables. I, I do. I completely empathize. And I'm not really holding it against the devs at all times because I don't know. I would usually hold it against the publishers. I feel like the devs are trying the hardest, but sometimes their creative choices are asinine. Or the lack thereof in follow-through on stuff. Here's the thing. If you're doing a live service game, and I've said this before and I'll keep saying it till the day I die or until it's no longer a legitimate, consistent issue, you have to be live with it, especially on day one of it going live, of the game dropping, or of a new season, or a new massive update. You have to be there. You have to be ready for the variables. There are going to be variables. Shit's not going to work at first. It never does. And it's not because it's game design, it's because that's how just the logistics of this thing works. Something you test might work with 1 to 10 people, and then it's good, and it works on that front, and it looks good, and plays well, and it's balanced, and it's optimized, and it's running smoothly. And then it works with 40 people in the office space, and it works with three to 400 people. And in terms of games and open beta, it may work with thousands to millions or whatever, right? Hundreds of thousands to millions of people. But that's only a small slice of the game. A few maps, a few modes, a few features, right? And then the full release of the game is a whole other ball game. And most people are like, okay, we'll give you a week or two. And then beyond that, then the, the first big seasonal update or the first big patch that is to fix all these problems has to come and has to work. And it has to address the critical issues. The, the issues that would cause people to sue, first and foremost, and then the issues that the community would have in terms of wanting to stay on this label. Now, COD is a big franchise. They can buy more time. This game just came out. It's been two weeks, which isn't a lot of time. This game's going to be popular for a few years. Remember, every COD in history since the dawn of time has had issues on release. Bugs balance imbalance i mean think of mw19 i didn't have bugs I'm, I'm gonna be the first to say now i was on xbox i had a few bugs but I, I didn't have hard crashes and i didn't have frame stuttering and ui glitching and disconnecting and all this shit in fact i think most people can can confidently say even though there were issues especially balancing issues in mw19 and there were definitely op optimization issues, especially for the PC base. I think most people could say across the board, though, it was a lot more streamlined and a lot faster in terms of fixing, and it really wasn't that big of an issue. Or it wasn't consistent enough to be one. MW2, however, as fun as it is to play, as well-grounded and as addictive as it can be, it has shit in there that's frustrating the fuck out of me from lack of content, but also just genuine issues where I'm like, I shouldn't, I should ask for a refund. This is ridiculous. The game has crashed with me, crashed over 30 plus times. Hard crash. 30 plus times in two weeks. That's, 
I didn't I don't play it every day. But even if I did, thirty plus times, people edge twice every day and I don't play it every day. So we're looking at three to four times every day I play it. And I'm not playing it all day for five, six, seven hours. I'm playing it for two to four hours uh stints. Uh, every once in a while I log a few more hours, especially on the weekends or the opening nights. But that's ridiculous. Absolutely asinine for them to be pulling that shit being as large as they are. Shouldn't have hard crashes, shouldn't have game breaking issues. Even if the UI looks butt fuck ugly, and more importantly, I don't really care how it looks. I, I mean, yeah, it's not the prettiest, but I don't really care about that. I care about how it functions. It doesn't function properly in two ways. One, it doesn't work. It literally is so glitchy and sticky and fucking frame drops. I, I run my menus at 60 frames per second, which should be no problem with the PC I'm sporting, but also with this type of game. And it still fucking just glitches every time you join someone, every time you leave something. it's And it goes for everybody. It glitches. The whole game freezes. That's a problem. Because you have to join people and you have to switch into new games because it disbands lobbies every game. So after every game, your game kind of freezes up. And sometimes... People's games crash and they don't realize because the lobby is always freezing anyway. Shit like that. It just shows unpolished and, and not, it's not professional. It's not of quality when it comes to these things. Yes, the UI design isn't the greatest. It's hard to navigate. But my bigger issue is that even when you are navigating it, it's stuttering. You can't open and customize your loadout while you're in a game. It just will freeze your game. You just might as well not. And you can't even do it when you're in a party... Uh, lobby. You can you can try to do it quickly, and it may stick, but it's finicky. The best chance you have is backing out and being in your own lobby and doing it, and then going back in. Though most people won't do that, they'll take the risk anyway. Shit like that. Now, have they fixed these things? I pray to God they fix some of these things to where they don't even need to mention in their patch note. This is optimization 101. This is stuff you don't need to say. They said UI, UX optimization bug fixes. I pray to God that's all those. And I hope to the Lord Almighty that these frame hitches and hit registration is being fixed. I just finished downloading the Season 1 patch. This has some new content. This has Warzone 2.0. This has DMZ. This has a, like the new battle pass, new guns, all that. And balancing on some of these weapons. Also, I read the patch notes on the balancing of these weapons. It's fucking ridiculous. Some of them make 110% sense. Not, not, they're not all bad. In fact, most of them are fine. Um, and really, actually, I guess now I think about it, the only thing I'm, I'm disappointed that they didn't balance, the only gun that I know for a fact needs a massive balance, is the M4. It needs to be nerfed in, um, in damage range and, um, uh, in recoil control. Not a lot. 5-10% margin. Just so it's not as easy to beam people across the map with the starting weapon. But I guess most, most people aren't going to be playing with that because of camo challenges, so maybe they thought it was irrelevant. I don't know. I guess it's not really an issue since people have either moved on or... Um, I still see people running with M4s all the time, though, because that's what wins games, but... That's the only one. Everything else seems logistical. Like every and every and the nerfs for these guns that des de desperately needed it didn't nerf it so bad where you can't use it. It just made it 
not as easy, like the SPR-208, which is one of my favorite guns, and the variation of such SAB-50 or whatever. The SP-208 has um, significantly increased flinch, re flinch resistance when you're hit or when you're shot at, which is important because it used to have none, and so people could quickscope you without any punishment to aiming down iron sights. And then SAB-50 is a little less on the flinch resistance since not many people are using it, but it's still there. So they nerfed those just a hair, hair, but it's not really nerfing. They actually, I mean, we'll see how it plays out, but it seems like they balanced it. They added shoot house. They added hardcore, which is great. We'll see how that all works. Um, I haven't tested it yet, so I'm not speaking on that all. I will do an update on season one in a couple weeks, most likely once I get some more time with it, maybe sooner. But, um... But I just wanted to mention that these are some issues, right? We didn't have calling cards. We didn't have bar uh, barracks. We still don't have gun weapon blueprints, which drives me fucking nuts. But okay, no weapon blueprints. Didn't have uh, hardcore. Hit registration was fucking inconsistent. Weapon balancing, bugs, optimization, menu hitching, frame rate stuttering, and hard crashes was the experience of the first two weeks for the most part. When a game loaded and it ran smoothly, it was plenty fine. Yeah, it was imbalanced, and yeah, campers are plenty, and it can get really aggravating. Um, but it was it was it was feasible, and we we're getting used to it. But man, I hope that these things really fix the bugs, the minor and major ones that really hindered the gameplay. Content is another big thing, um, but we can wait on content. The game needs to work out the gate. You know, Halo Infinite had bugs and glitches, but at least Halo Infinite worked most of the time. I, I had frame rate issues here and there, but for, for the most part, it worked pretty well. This game just had so many goddamn issues riddled, and servers, and all this stuff. And here's the problem. Here's the problem with live service and content updates. First of all, it allows them to cut up content and drop it however they see fit, instead of releasing a full package game which I don't particularly agree with. Um, at the very least, if you're going to do live service, at least start with even some a little more content and buy yourself time so the, the first season one is actually substantial. Add some new stuff and really fix this stuff. But don't make the seasonal updates the only way to do massive bug fixes. They had two or three title updates, which means instead of small server-side in-game updates, you know, it take a half a second make you restart your game like full you'd have to download an update they only had one or two and they were for bug issues and they fixed some of the some of the more critical ones and reduced the crashing and stuff but every time they fix one thing another thing pops up that's just what happens okay fine whatever but they did fix some stuff here's the thing though just do more of that more quickly so season one can have a few more bug fixes and balances, but also just mostly have content. Yeah, it's fine to bundle them both, especially when it's only two weeks apart, but for the future, like, I, I don't think we'll get a season two for a couple months. If we have major bugs and issues here that aren't necessarily game-breaking, just some, some headache bugs, they'll fix the game-breaking ones as quick as possible, but headache bugs and stuff? Why? Why wait? Why, why not have a mid-season huge bug update because they got to deliver more content mid-season anyway weapons a new map some modes so they'll probably do it that way but it's just frustrating because every time we download these updates especially for a game this big servers are down because 
somehow they still don't understand how many people would jump on. Which is wild, because this game just came out and had the largest opening of the ever, I think. So, at that point, shouldn't you know exactly how many people are going to load on and give you a little bit of headroom for extra people who buy the game late? Let's say 100 million people got on opening first two days of MW2. So, maybe make it 110 to 120 million possible players to log in at the same time. I don't know how servers work, obviously. It's probably more complex than that, but like just in its root in its simple thought process, why not just make it that way? Calibrate it to what you've previously just experienced with such a large opening, give you a little extra headroom, and then you wouldn't have servers downs server downs. And then also do they not test their shit? Apparently multiplayer feature, social tab isn't working like it's these things that drive me nuts because I'm like we we just want a clean update. We just want an update that fixes things, adds stuff, and doesn't have, doesn't come with baggage. Doesn't have issues that you then need to fix on top of the f issues that either weren't addressed in this update or need to also still be fixed. Issues on issues. Yes, there are variables. Every time you move one thing in a game, another thing moves with it. I understand that, but Jesus Christ, do they not have the resources and time to double check this shit? Because they used to. They used to. And regardless of how you feel about the movement and the balancing, the weapons and the grind and all of that, I think most people's experiences are hindered by the the way the game is not properly fully functioning and running that really takes away from you able to experience the actual game. If it if you can't load your weapon in properly or if it hitches and your frames stutter too much for you to land a shot or your menu crashes or your game crashes mid you know your whole game crashes mid-match that that dampens your experience exponentially and i've never realized how much it can so quickly because for one when it's on console i feel like it's a little better optimized but like i could deal with it for a while but people this wore down on me i still play it but like i, I stopped playing it as many hours i'm still loving it i'm having a blast and i'm super excited to hop into season one don't get me wrong and i'm excited for the future content because i really do think this is a solid entry the first one we've had since mw19 and it's a really good game but there are issues man and some of these issues are easily understandable and they're not always being addressed and it frustrates me to no end to know that this billion dollar product that you have just been selling to people you're not prioritizing Warzone 2.0 is the priority right now. I don't give a flying fuck about Warzone 2.0. Good for them. I'm not worried that Warzone 2.0, you know, it'll have its issues and it'll be fixed. It has separate teams working on that. They need to focus on the two weeks of the game that's been out that has been selling that has had issues. And they have been, but they need to equally. So we'll see. We'll see. Matter of fact, I'm going to start it up right now. Uh, I'm not going to play it right now, but I'm going to just load it up. Does it even load up? <laughs> is the question. No, I'm kidding. It loads just fine. Um, yeah, it's been having issues. There may still be some server issues. Um, but yeah. You know, stuff like that. It can be very frustrating. Hopefully it didn't reset my settings. The way I, had I don't see why it would. No, it didn't. We're okay. So yeah, it's just stuff like that, folks, that, that can drive me nuts. And content is key. So in this new MW2, we do have some new content going. And it's, it's weird. It's just like, it's not 
it's it's some stuff, but it's stuff we should have gotten at lunch. It's not enough. We have one new map here, which is fine. I guess we're all getting used to the other maps. And it's Shoot House, which is a great map. So no one's really complaining that we have Shoot House, but people are complaining that, like, why, why don't you just do two or three maps that we all like? You know? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it, it just, yeah. We need more content, folks. This is getting ridiculous. Bug fixes, optimization, making the game work has to be the priority when the game comes out. And when there's issues, they need to be addressed and addressed quickly. <clears throat> and even if it takes time to physically fix those issues, which I, which I think most people completely understand, when it's physically that, that tricky to navigate, I, fine, but let us know that you're working on it. Let us know you understand the issue and give us a time frame. It's literally their job. They've got nothing better to do, really. I mean, they do. They have a life and all that. But, like, this is their job. And when you're doing a live service game and you release a live service game, your job for the next month to two months isn't over. Yes, you go right into post-production and do content and all this other stuff. And you deserve a break. But you deserve a break let's say for these kinds of games that usually release in October, November, you deserve a break in December. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just how it is. It's unfortunate because uh, they've been working so damn hard and they're usually crunched. And I'm not saying that they don't deserve one, but I'm saying that they need to, as a service to the game and to the consumers and to the clientele who's paying this company and paying them in extension, they need to be there to fix the issues that come up. These games are complex. There are issues that are going to come up that they're not ready for. They need a team on standby to, to address them and to let us know that they're addressing them, right? And I know they do that, but it just doesn't always feel like they're doing a good job at it. And it drives me nuts. It, it, it doesn't always feel like they care. And it, I don't know. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to go through these things where you're just like, why? Why are you guys doing this to us? You know, how have you guys not figured this out? It's insane. And I only hope that this issue, and, and trust me, we've had issues before in, in the gaming industry. It used to be DLC, it used to be microtransactions, which is such a big issue that I'm glad we've moved beyond that. Live service is in place of microtransactions. And what live service does well, and what I'll always credit it for, is killing the eff efficacy and the, the usage of microtransactions. Because microtransactions in a full price game, I don't even believe them in a free-to-play game, but I understand it. Um, I think it's still too egregious in a free-to-play. I don't mind them having it there, but like... They gotta make it a little more balanced so you don't feel like you have to gamble your life away just to play a game. It's predatory. And I think that's wrong, especially when you have kids playing your game. But, you know, most games have gotten even better about that on the mobile front. Not counting Diablo Immortal, of course. But beyond that, what I'm more what was more of an issue in twenty sixteen through eighteen and, and a little into nineteen was what a time. What a time. That the gaming industry was rapidly changing and a whole bunch of new stuff was coming through 2019 and actually the industry took a really positive step in the right direction in my opinion in the fall, summer and fall of 2019 
and continued that proper step in through 2020, regardless of um, of how hard that year was for everybody, of course. Um, so we're, we're coming out of that. And, and there are good things to be said about live service games. We don't have to pay for DLC that fractures fan bases anymore. We don't have to do all that, right? We don't have to have as many they companies don't feel so inclined to inject microtransactions every single second they're still there but they're cosmetic or they're battle pass tier systems which are purely cosmetic and the free tiers still allow you to unlock progress things so it kills two birds with one stone it allows game devs to find a way to keep you hooked into a new reward system where you just have to keep playing over time as well as people who do want to pay extra monthly in a subscription-like format or every few months can and they get more stuff but it's mostly cosmetic um the thing about cod's battle pass is actually kind of good is you do get weapons which is like huge huge gameplay variation and could be very imbalanced but you everyone can get those weapons because they're in the free tier so it's not about money it's about time which is not always the most fair so, you know, obviously they shouldn't have weapons like, I don't think you should have weapons past the 50 tier mark. Or if you do, it has to be a really good weapon and nothing really above 60 to 70 tier mark. Because people just don't have that time. And it's not fair if they don't get that weapon just because they're busy and have a life, especially for the COD community. But at least it's free. It's At least they don't have to pay $10 and then grind it out and then get it. You know what I mean? Um... So that's good. It's the stuff you get in the tier is somewhat cosmetic, but you you do get tokens, XP tokens. You do get special things. It's mostly cosmetic, um, calling cards, all that. It's like who cares? I don't really care about the cosmetic stuff, but it also gets you COD points. So if you buy it once and you plan on playing this game a lot, which I do for the next year at least consistently this one might be my main multiplayer squeeze for a while um you get cod points which are the way to buy the next season pass and in fact you get enough to um buy one you need a thousand i think or 1100 to get the cod the next usually it's a battle pass is a thousand which is 10 bucks right um <laughs> it's funny um this time around i think they make it 1400 cod points you can get in total so it gives you a little a little extra so you can buy a pack or, or get, get you something nice if you want, which is cool. Those kinds of things are good. I have no problem with that, okay? The issue we face when it comes to live service, and I've said this before, is the fact that they, they, they cut up content and they say, well, we'll make this season four, season two, season three, whatever. And it's like, okay, but why? Like... What's the fucking point? We used to have this stuff. Like, if you're gonna do all that, have it, have it be, um, the actual, you know, new content. Release stuff we already have, hardcore. Release the game modes we have. Release a few new ones. They did that. That's cool. They have some new ones to try. Release the hardcore. Release the classic modes. Release 
you know, all the maps you're going to have. Obviously, you're going to have new maps for a new game. That's fine. Have a couple throwback and or remaster maps now that you've established that as precedent for this MW franchise, at least. And then, for the love of Christ and all things holy, give us more remasters, reworks, things we're familiar with. COD doesn't always need new. We don't mind new. I don't. But a lot of the community may not like it. <laughs> may not be for the, the new fit features but you know it's just one of those things where it's like they're drip feeding content and the biggest problem that you can have is like the first few month the first month for a card game is gonna be when most people are on it don't drip feed your first season don't drip feed that content make a lot of it make it fun get people excited and drip feed stuff in between until the next big content update in a few months and make some of that old stuff make some of that new stuff i think modern warfare 19 did the best job of doing that in modern history in recent history of a of a triple a first person shooter of across the board vanguard did a surprisingly good job with content amount it just wasn't fun to play and the maps were unoriginal i actually like the mw19 maps a lot of them are memorable to me not all of them are great not all of them are memorable I know people had problems with that game. I'm not saying there weren't problems, but the amount of content that you had on launch was a lot. You had a lot of modes. Hardcore, regular, you had the new weapons, the gunsmith, you had the blue weapon blueprints. You had, I don't think gunfight came out yet, but it might have. You had some party modes. You had well, maybe not, maybe not a party mode playlist yet, but you had you had some some unique stuff. You had um the realism playlist, which was dope. Would would love to see a comeback on that one. Um, you had a bunch of stuff. It was a lot. <laughs> it and and season one, mind you, didn't drop for a while, and it was Battle Pass and it was cosmetics, and then Warzone wasn't a thing until like January, February, and it wasn't really popular till March. So like, we had like two or three months without a battle royale to worry about. Two weeks after this, Warzone 2.0 just came out. I'm literally looking at it right now. I can jump into it. And what's wild is on Steam, it already pre-downloaded. I got scared shitless when I saw the download size of Warzone 2.0 because my current game file size, and this is another issue with COD and other games, how much space they take up. They know compression, people. It's not that bad. I mean, games are going to be inherently bigger now. You're going to be seeing 60, 80 gigs games and games that are pushing 100 easily. Games that are pushing 150, 200, I don't know. But I feel like some of that can be definitely compressed. Um, it's ridiculous. They do that so they take up base console storage space. So they, they are the predominant game. right? That's one of the tactics that they use. It's also probably just one of those things where, yes, it's going to be bigger. Like full package with DMZ, Battle Royale, MW2, and everything, campaign, everything else to come with it. I completely can see why it's probably going to push near or over 100 but if it pushes towards 200 we have a different issue that's ridiculous even for now even for these times Elden Ring is like 60 to 70 gigs and that game's fucking huge with a lot of mechanics at play massive so some of it I'm just like come on guys get your shit together but anyway it is fascinating to see how all this plays out um 
I only hope the best for these franchises. I really do. Live service game models, I don't inherently disagree with. I just find that there's some issues with it. And there's going to be a new mode, a new fad. There's going to be a new type of game. There's going to be a new system that comes along that companies are going to latch themselves onto. Is it going to be the Battle Royale with the Season Pass? Who knows, right? Is it going to be the DLC with the map packs? Who knows? Is it going to be the microtransactions with the store-bought items, right? These are all phases and trends, and they stick. They're still there. You could still go buy cosmetics and stuff with microtransactions. You could map DLC packs are pretty much gone unless you go play an older game. But you know, for some games they're still there, and some games they're warranted. Here's the thing: like for non-multiplayer games, it's okay if it's very extensive and it's a lot of content. The devs are, you know, it's like a game and a half. That's different. But if it's like a multiplayer game where it's a few extra maps, I mean, it's still hard work. But the thing is, you fracture your fan your player base which is unsafe so these are issues that come up and 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 lastly like repetition of things like you have to find the balance these games are fun they're addictive so you have to lean into the stuff that makes it fun and and i feels like a lot of the times game devs think that unanimous unanimously deciding on behalf of the gamer is the way to design a game and that's just not true it's just not true so let me finish this entire episode off in the next segment with my conclusion final thoughts um, and then uh, and talk about some player choice and, and my final thoughts on live service games and where I see it going and and and, and stuff all right stay tuned I know this is pretty much about two games I've already talked about extensively, and I know those are long rants. I got a little distracted, and I apologize, but these are things that I've been thinking about with live servers, subscription models, all these things. And it does play a big impact on the consumer's life, and I want to talk about that to close this episode off, this long but short episode. <laughs> short in amount of content I talk about, long in the duration I, I go on with it, you know? So here's the thing for me. Player choice is always and should always be at the forefront of design for a game of any kind. And that doesn't just mean in-game. That means out-of-game in the menu systems and the options and the features that come with it. It's crucial. Player Video game players are not stupid people. Usually, though there are plenty dummies out there. But for the most part, we're not that stupid. Give us choices. Give us options. Especially if you're a franchise that have set the precedent for what needs to be okay in a multiplayer game specifically and that's what i'm mostly talking about this time around fps multiplayer uh games you can name your pick in your head you can think about what game you're thinking whether it's valorant rainbow six um counter-strike fortnite warzone cod uh any cod game halo uh battlefield take your pick whatever whatever floats your boat really and there are some things that are in games that aren't in others, obviously, for design choice, creative aspect, or just better design philosophy in general. But what I'm getting at is there are things that can be implemented in games to help remedy and allow player choice, freedom, action, and just be more fun. For one, beyond just customer support and communication, I will always state this, more of these big studios need communication marketing expert. And I don't mean just somebody who says shit, I mean somebody who is actually relaying real-time info there should be a, a, a well for bigger studios there should be a whole team at Activision whose sole purpose what they get paid to do 
is not to fix the issues. They're not devs. It's to communicate exactly what the fuck is going on. Because that is vital to me. If you're at a kitchen, I'm sorry, if you're at a restaurant and you order your food and the waitress says, or the waiter, not trying to be derogatory, I'm just literally thinking of an experience I had recently with a waitress, and I'm not blaming the waitress. The waitress was completely in the right and uh, tipped, tipped her handsomely. Um, tipped her more than I could afford <laughs> because it wasn't on her. She did the best she could, but my food took for fucking ever to get to me. And I asked her, I said, so what's going on? Is there something wrong? Um, did you? And she went back to the kitchen and found out they didn't get it right, whatever. And they had to restart, and I was there for a while. And I was frustrated. I wasn't mad at her. It wasn't her fault. She's just delivering food. <laughs> She's doing her job. So you know, I tipped her extra because it extended her time with me, where she could have been getting more clientele, you know? So, and it's only fair. I mean, people in the service industry like that need need to be um, tipped more it's it's a it's a brutal brutal industry you know so I always try to tip extra uh, always uh, for those kinds of things if possible so anyway I'm not blaming the, the waitress and I'm just using that that's just what's floating in my mind but it can be waiter waitress in this analogy and what I'm getting at is that it's the cook's fault or whoever has to relate to the, the shoe chef I don't know the chef's fault it's their fault for not taking a piece of paper or not taking the waitress's info and doing something with it. I'm not blaming the waitress, right? Um, but when, but there's two issues at play at the, in this scenario. It wasn't really a big deal. It just delayed my meal for 10, 15 minutes and it was kind of the wrong order. It wasn't the one I exactly ordered. It had some variation. So, um, they compensated. I tipped the waitress. It was no big deal, really. I, I mean, no one would have known of it. I just left it. But but it's just floating in my mind because this is how I think of games right now, right? In this analogy I'm, I'm comparing it to, if if I have an issue, if I say, okay, if I get an appetizer, I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. And I'm looking forward to the main meal. If the main meal takes a while, fine. If I get the main meal and there's a problem, I don't send food back usually. So let's say I order, if ever. I don't think I've ever sent food back, really. Um, so let's say I order the meal and it takes forever, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? And they're like, oh, we forgot it. I'm sitting there wondering, just doing my own thing, talking to people. I think I was alone this time, so I was just you know, playing on my phone, writing something. So it's no big deal, but it's just like, if I don't know stuff, I don't know that. Like, the issue could have been re resolved much faster and could have saved me time and money and energy and everyone else involved. You know, and that's not the waitress's fault. It's no one's real fault. It's just the lack there of communication. The fact that no one could say, hey, uh, sorry, we, we didn't get around to your order. We're working on it now. And sometimes in restaurants, especially more high-class, fancy ones, they will have somebody who literally comes out and says, hey, we're figuring something out here. Sorry, you know, sorry for the inconvenience. Here's a gift card. Here's a certificate. You get a discount. You know, if there's an inconvenience, sometimes it's the manager, sometimes it's a, a front, you know, uh, the hostess or host. Um, sometimes it's the waiter or waitress. It just depends. But my point is, there is no communication. So what I was expecting and what I was 
paying for, being ready to pay for, wasn't even being developed. And even when it was, it wasn't the way that I, that I originally, under the pretenses and the information that I was given on the menu, purchased. That's what happens in AAA game spaces now. We will pre-order, or not, even if you don't pre-order, you will purchase a game and you will expect this much of the game. If you purchase a hamburger, a, just a traditional cheeseburger, you're going to expect what would be in a traditional cheeseburger. Honestly, if you don't get that, if you just get a bun or you get a half-bit burger, you're going to be a little perturbed. If it comes out undercooked, first of all, it's a health violation, but also it's just like, send it back. <laughs> like, make it right. And that's what happens. These games come out undercooked, underdeveloped, and lacking on the features they promised. We're getting undercooked burgers with none of the extra amenities or features. Even though we've been to this restaurant a million times and we've gotten burgers before for years, and they were delicious, and they worked just fine, and everything was normal. And while that is frustrating in of itself, what something that could help mitigate that is just somebody saying, hey, we're working on that, we apologize for this, this is where we're currently at with this, it should be about five, ten more minutes. That's what game publishers and studios need. They need a communications expert who isn't diffusing tension, whose job isn't to be a bodyguard for uh, the devs, which they do deserve their own privacy. They do deserve to not be harassed. They're probably aware of the situations at hand. That's why there's bug reports. So they're probably trying to fix it. It is their job, and they do have a life. So I don't blame them for just, they need to be left alone to go work on this stuff. They shouldn't be harangued and harassed all the fucking time just because it's not the way you wanted a game to be. You know, fucking go develop a game yourself, you know. At a certain point, you just have to understand that someone is behind this making it. It is a human. But the problem is that we're not getting proper communication. Even through the appropriate channels where you'd expect it. I went on Twitter today through Activision support just to see if they have a new ticket, a new web page up for Warzone 2, DMC, and the Season 1 update of this game for the uh, eventual issues that will crop up. As of 20 minutes ago, I have yet to see one. But now, it might be updated. It might be in a sub-page I didn't see. You know, who knows? But my point is, there's not somebody out there saying, okay, we are completely aware of this issue. I mean, sometimes they say that, but sometimes they don't. Like, they will not, they will not address that they're aware of a huge ongoing issue unless they have to because they're trying to save face, which I don't get because we live in the day of the internet. It's not like back in the day, where if there was an issue, you'd have to go on a wiki and a forum, and it would take months, and by the time the months uh, go by where people collate, collate, coagulate, by the time people get together and figure out that there's an issue, it's probably gonna be fixed, right? In 2010s, not everything was so rapid. Now it can be trending within an hour, and everybody can share or experience or, 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 or understand the universal issues at play. That's insane to just think that we have that as a thing now, but that, that makes some of the job easier for devs because it 
yes, bug reports and coming through the actual data and analysis in the game is actually the most accurate because sometimes the words and the way people say things or the way people repeat things is louder than the actual issue at hand, right? That's often the case. But I find that in games, most gamers just want to have a unified, fun experience. We're not making shit up for fucks, you know, just for shits and giggles. We're not doing that. That's why. We're trying to use our time to play fucking video games. We're not trying to use our time to, like, make up problems that aren't really there or to exaggerate issues. Sometimes we do, but it needs to be a combination of taking into account the tweets, the threads, the Reddit posts, the rethreads, the websites, the, the pages, the, the direct messages, the posts, that people, that gamers, the people who buy your game and play your product do. But then beyond that, you know, then you can also add in the metrics you have in place, and that's just fine. Bug reports and such. But especially with certain fan bases, people aren't always going to report these issues. And it goes for all kinds of games. And it just drives me nuts that getting roadmaps, getting estimates on immediate issues, like when there's an issue where you can't join with your friends, that that needs to be fixed by the end of the day. For a multiplayer game, that's all hands on deck. Because that's what you and your friends have bought and have planned to play together. And if I was in charge and I knew that was an issue, that's, I mean, that would take priority because that's one, that's two to five or more people who are instantly unable to play the game and who will switch to another game or just not play it rather than play separately. You know what I mean? It's those kinds of things. If the game is crashing so much, people can't get in. You know, there are small bug issues that need to be addressed, but then there's these bigger ones. So having a communications expert who isn't a person that defends the publishers and the devs and all that, they need their defense and they shouldn't be harassed all the time. I get that. And community managers shouldn't be harassed. It's not like they're the ones making the calls or developers, and they're not developers. They're just relaying information, but they need to get better at relaying information. I don't even know if it's an actual job title, but if it is, they need to be on the ball. They need to be... If Let's just put it this way. If I worked for Activision, and specifically for Infinity Ward, and I was their Twitter team, if I was their social media, one of their social media managers, and I had to monitor Twitter and, and Reddit and all these things, you know how fucking quick I would be on the ball? It's, it's a non-stop job. They probably have to switch shifts. But if I'm getting paid and I want to be of service to the community to give them the proper, accurate and information in a timely manner, you know, if you don't know what's going on, you don't know what's going on. But, like, if I hear, like, Oh, on day one, people aren't able to join up with the friends. And I see that thread pop up all over. And I just keep seeing that complaint. You know what I'm going to do? I'll probably have a copy of the game at that point. I'm going to try to load in with my buddies. See firsthand. And if it doesn't work for me, I'm going to be like, yeah, no, this is an issue. And then I would call, text, communicate in some way, in person, virtually, however however they do it, to the people, to the devs, to, to that. And, and that's the other thing. The, these communication people have to have a direct line to the devs. 
and they have to know how to filter the proper information. They need to be the safeguard to the devs in terms of not overloading them with information. They don't need to mention every bug, glitch, and, and tick that's going wrong. They just need to mention the critical errors, issues, or things that need to be communicated back to the community in a timely manner, right? And so that's what I would do. Okay, I get two or three complaints about this or that. All right, well, guns are a little unbalanced. I, whatever, you know. Yes, we'll, we'll fix that eventually. And I could even, you know, if I was in charge, I could even tweet. That's definitely something we have to analyze and we'll come, we'll, we will definitely work on it. You know, one of those safe, like, we're, we see it, we hear you, we got to work on it, give us time. And you got to respect when they say that because they don't know everything and they can't always work on everything at the same time. You know, they also are being forced by their publishers to produce content for the future, you know, new and old or remastered and such. So th those are the kinds of things where... It's definitely something you have to be patient with. But on critical issues where, like, you can't load into a game or server's down, well, obviously, server's down, then they do know about that. Um, so, yeah. That's just one of those kinds of things where I just find it to be vital that people communicate in this industry it's it's important in a live service way we need to have a roadmap within the first few of at least the first season we need to have it within the first few weeks to a month god did that beautifully and we need to have a team at the ready to say hey we hear your issues hey we see it and and not just to say we understand what you're going through but to say that give us a time frame there's nothing worse than being in a game that doesn't work or doesn't have a feature you want that you know should be and just waiting hoping it'll be fixed and not knowing what time so having a team that says we're working on it we estimate this will and in a team that maybe over exaggerates we're estimating this will be a two to three hour fix stay tuned and it's a one hour fix and they might know it's a one hour fix but they're giving themselves some buffer in case something goes wrong and that just shit like that they do that sometimes and it's great If something isn't working I, to the point where like you can't you can't use what you purchased, then it needs to be addressed immediately. And I'm seeing this issue prop up more and more in gaming and in other industries, but especially in gaming. When shit is not working, they're like, oh, well, we'll get around to it. Like, no, motherfucker, get around to it now. Otherwise, I'm going to be asking for a refund. That You can't do that in other industries. You can't do that in the food in the culinary industry as easily i guess you might be able to you can't well no you legally can't serve an undercooked burger and make them eat it until you make a new one no you take that burger back you compensate them financially or or give them a discount or whatever and you quickly you 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 stop making the other burgers for a second or you use one of those ones and you give it to the person who you just gave an undercooked burger to. And when it's a lot of people have an undercooked burger, you fucking redo the batch. You take them out. I'm not saying you close down the game until you fix it, but I'm, I am saying you do it rapidly. These bug fixes, a lot of these things, shouldn't have come two weeks later. They should have come within the first five to seven days. And I know there's a lot of complexity in it, but I'm not saying the weapon balance and tuning. I'm just saying the crashing and optimization issues should have come within the first week. Then the balancing and content could come later, because content is key. 
in a live service game at the end of the day once you get the bugs and all that working which is usually shouldn't take as long as it did this time around but once you do it's pretty smooth sailing from that point on now you just have to make sure there's not new bugs that crop up or when they are you they're addressed and then also you just keep a substantial stream of new content and as i say this before i was hoping to god they would have three or more multiplayer maps one to two being remasters one new one and i did say i was hoping we'd get shoot house and shipment because that's safe that's easy they know how to do that and that's a consistent one and as well as maybe a terminal or a favela or something of that nature and then maybe one other new one and a shipment shoot house 24 7 playlist for regular and for when hardcore drops make the grind easier allow more player freedom and choice because as i said before when we don't get choices of our options that also hinders our ability to play or do what we want when you're given a menu that only has a couple things on it you're you may like it, but you may not want to eat there as often. I won't want to come back if I don't have as many options. And I don't just mean game modes and playlists. I mean choices within how that mechanically operates. Crossplay. Toggle on and off. And I think crossplay should be available in many games more and more, especially new ones. Right? That should be there. It's another option at the player's disposal, and it should be a toggle. And it shouldn't be automatically enabled in modes where that would be an imbalance i understand that completely but you know like i said for rainbow six rainbow six siege can have crossplay, and i don't just mean between xbox and playstation which they're doing which is great they can have it between pc and console just not in ranked that's it have it in unranked in every other mode and even then have it as a toggle so even if you don't want to play with pc people in casual or unranked you could still toggle it off but if you do you can and then in ranked mode you just can't no way. Do you understand how simple that is to me? Mechanically, it may be more difficult to implement. I understand that. I'm not saying that's just easy to go just do, just make it happen. I, I'm not an idiot. I, I understand these things are complicated. But logistically, when Rainbow, when people are like, oh, Rainbow can never be crossplay, I'm like, yes, the fuck it can. If you give the op player the option to turn off crossplay and you only allow crossplay on all the modes that aren't the important ranked one, you're fine. And you make it easily accessible and knowledgeable to where to turn off crossplay. Yeah, that's the other thing. You don't hide it in this really weird menu where people don't realize they're matching up with PC players. You know what I mean? But you do those two things, and that way people who have this game can play with friends in unranked, casual, and the other modes that are on Rainbow, TDM and, and temporary event modes, seasons, and other stuff, and have a blast with their friends. And... Um, and then for ranked, you yeah, know, it sucks, but you just have to bite the bullet. But right now, there's no crossplay between PC and console at all, so that would be better than nothing. Much better than nothing. So that's one form of player choice and freedom. You know? Map voting. Or banning, or some iteration of choosing the maps. We get to usually choose the mode, but this whole thing of playlists is becoming a new thing in everything, for some reason. Spotify might have made it popular, I don't know. But in games, we now have playlists, and... Um, I'm not against them. I mean, they're not the worst things. Sometimes they bundle nice things together, but they're temporary, which is stupid. Some of them are permanent, but... And then you can toggle or select what you want in that playlist, and, I, and I'm fine with that. Those are permanent. Those playlists aren't going away. It's not really a playlist. It's more so just a folder of what you want to have as a choice. 
in COD and even in Halo, especially Master Chief Collection, they do it the best. You could toggle what mode, what, you know, and then it'll find those modes. You usually can't toggle what maps. In Halo Master Chief Collection, you could toggle what game is covered in general. So if you only toggle Halo Reach and Halo 4, well, even if you toggle all these modes, you're only going to get them relative to Halo Reach, Halo 4. It's understandable, and that's a really smart way of doing it. In a game that isn't a bundle of a bunch of games in one, something like this new COD, something like Halo Infinite, don't have just pre-made playlists by the devs. That's fine, you can have those, but have us choose, and they do for the core main gameplay, have us choose the modes and select and filter what we want to load in, and then beyond that, the maps. When we get to a map, have us vote on it. People will inherently not like maps, and what this also does is this sends data to the devs of what maps are least popular. So you could reduce the cycle rotation or find ways to mitigate them. Since map banning and map and operator banning has become a thing in unranked and ranked in Rainbow Six Siege, um, Ubisoft Montreal has, has even more data on top of just pick rate, win rate, and success rate on maps and, and operators and modes. They have even more data through literal player choice, not just how they play passively, but literal player choice on what they prefer to play so they could better optimize that experience. It took years to get there, but it's there. COD wants to get a few more maps, but even now, can have a map banning. I guarantee you that whatever, the border crossing map will be banned nine times out of ten. If it's banned nine times out of ten, maybe the devs will just realize, huh, we either need a f huge overhaul, we need to plop it in a spot where it fits, like a free-for-all mode, and we need to, or get rid of it. Data. Data that is relayed back to the devs that they can, that is actionable data. And it's choices for the player. I want to play on this map, I want to play with this mode, I want to play with these weapons. If you're giving us so much choice with our weapons, and I wish we had gunsmith blueprints for MW2. Or if you're giving us so many choices with our modes, like in Halo and stuff, we should have map voting or map banning of some kind. And that also is coupled with no lobby disbanding, because the lobbies are what decide it. And if you find a good group of people, you should be able to stick with them and play with it, because your game will load faster, you will get slightly accustomed to how some of these people play and what to look out for, and it's fun. You start to learn their names for a minute if you play with an out with them for for a few matches. You're like, okay, I know this guy's good. You know, let's watch out for him. You know, it's really fun, and you get to see each other's credentials and flex on each other and talk shit if you want, right? All that is part of the social aspect of gaming that is integral to a multiplayer experience. When it disbands and disconnects, you can't have that experience anymore. You just load into the next game, and it also just takes a second. Like it doesn't always load quickly because you're disbanding and you have to reload into a game when it could have just hopped you over to the next game with the same people but now you have to find a new group of people and to this day they have not explained why they do that halo does it too by the way halo does it and i think that's even more of a violation than cod now cod's more consistent and has been around more but halo the one of the most important aspects in Halo Reach is that it didn't disband lobbies. That you could see the lobbies, you could play with them for forever if you wanted to. If you never left the game and friend them. And that's how you made friends as well, folks. Believe it or not. You can make friends by playing games online still to this day. In fact, one of my closer buddies that I've recently become friends with um, now. Uh, we, we met 
in Hell Let Loose, because what does Hell Let Loose do? Not disband lobbies. You stay in the same server with those folks. If you willingly choose to leave, you can. And you can reload into a new match. If you get tired of those people, it's up to you. But, yeah, communication, and, and you can see each other's rank, you can friend each other in-game, out-of-game. It's those kinds of things that we need in these social building blocks and tools. And, and it's stuff that we've had before, a decade ago, that has been taken away or, or, or reduced. And that's, I think, why it's so jarring to us, because it's just like, why get rid of it? It worked just fine. Like, there's no reason to get rid of it. We can't even see how you monetarily, like, how you financially benefit from that. How, how, how does someone benefit from disbanding lobbies? If player retention, if you get more players to keep playing because they're meeting new people, playing with the same people, learning the mechanics, and get to choose the maps and the modes, so they stay on your game longer, they fall more in love with it, they're more likely to buy your cosmetics, your battle pass, your shit, and they give you more player count time, why would you take away elements that, that bar them from doing those very basic things? Gamers come into games wanting to play your game. That's why we do it. It's why we're so vocal and frustrated when you when you implement mechanics that literally block us from doing the one thing you spent so hard and so much time creating. That would be like making a film. That'd be like if I made a film for everybody and parts of the scenes were just not there because it wasn't finished. And... Um, and when you go into the movie theater, you don't get to choose where you sit. It's already pre-assigned. How the fuck would that be enjoyable? Scenes missing from the movie. Some weird technical glitches and, and imperfections. And you don't get to choose where you sit with your friends, loved ones, or by yourself if you choose. You don't get to choose that. It's already pre-chosen. How the fuck is that enjoyable? Why would I ever do that? Would you ever go and watch a movie of mine again if I did something like that? No. And that would be so bad for me to do. First of all, because it's cruel, but also because it would just hurt me in the long run. So it's those kinds of things that I don't understand when they actively do shit. Like now, when they take away the radar, when they're trying things to balance or add a new new style or a new way in the game, that's one thing. And that's trial and error, and sometimes they, they hit, sometimes they miss. I'm not blaming them for that. It's the shit where I'm like, why get rid of these features that people just enjoy to do? Why get rid of those choices? These are these are integral problems. So um, I know this is mostly a rant. I was originally going to be positive, but I've been thinking about it more of, of how corrosive live service game uh, development could be because it's really... Um, I feel like players lose a lot of their freedom and agency in, in that because they lose a lot of their purchasing power. Okay. Now, in a game like COD, we have more of it because we buy it, but like Halo Infinite is a free-to-play multiplayer game. It doesn't matter what the fuck you say or do. You might buy the Battle Pass or Cosmetics, but other than that, like, or the campaign, but like, it's a free-to-play game. So, they're not, they're not completely bound by the, in gaming, you're always bound by the player. In music and film, you're bound by the audience. In art, your audience, your fan base, is who you are obligated to serve in some capacity. Obviously, you still have to do what you want to do, make the art you want to make, and but you can't completely piss them off, otherwise you're not going to make it, right? So you have to you have to be obliged and, and be beholden to them in some regard. But if there's no purchasing power behind it, that 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 backbone is is 
rapidly evaporated. So Halo Infinite was allowed to do what it was allowed to do because it's a free-to-play game. So they can implement shit on us where we're like, well, we don't agree with it. And they're like, well, you didn't buy it. So, you know, for one, you don't own the license or lease to it. But also, beyond that, you you don't affect it financially. You're not a full-on American capitalist consumer. Whereas in con, we paid 70 to to $100. That's different. That's That can take lit- that can take lawsuits. That could take... You know what I mean? We have a little more power. They can't just do anything willy-nilly. Good God. They can do it with Warzone. And if you've noticed with Warzone, they'll just do whatever the fuck they please, regardless of how happy people are about it. They'll just completely take out a map forever. Permanently just take out a map everyone got used to for a year. A huge map, mind you, that shouldn't have been taken out. There doesn't need to just be one Battle Royale map. There could be a couple that people can choose from, right? Player choice. If they feel like playing that map, they can. Nope. Fuck you. They take away that map. They may bring one back temporarily to pull people back, and then they just force you, funnel you into one map, and that's all you get to play. What the fuck is that? Do you understand how asinine that is? But they can do that because it's free to play. And I don't have anything wrong with free-to-play because I do think um, price points on games are expensive. And I understand we do need high-quality games that are fun to play, that are free-to-play, that people could try, that people could get a hold of, or people can get in love with. You could still have a blast in Warzone or Fortnite or Splitgate, even though that game's hardly existent anymore. And all these other things, Halo Infinite, you could have a blast in those without paying a penny and, and taking your time and not being too frustrated. But you lose a lot of your player choice and your rights within the game and within advocating for what you would want to see. You lose a lot of that because you have no more purchasing power. At least in games when you pay 60 or 70, they are beholden to you. I mean, there is laws in place where you have to fulfill your consumer's needs to an extent. But games are a gray area in a lot of regards. There are more legal things being set in stone, which is good, that protects consumers now more than ever. Um, that's why we don't have microtransactions as well, because it's been outlawed in countries, and it can be outlawed and considered gambling. You know, So these things can protect the consumer, but when it's free-to-play, that protection is very, very thin. It's still there. You still have to serve the consumer, and there's still protections in place. It's just not as strong as when you purchase a game. When you purchase a game, Activision is beholden to serve you as a customer. And, when, and as a company, as an industry that is servicing and selling products to a customer, there are laws and regulations in place where they have to be obliged or beholden to that said customer. So there are things that we can say or do. They do have to make those changes for multiple reasons. One, they will lose future income because people will break off from the franchise. They'll stop playing the game so they won't have those numbers to tout and they won't buy their cosmetics season passes skins and such and then beyond that they could get refunds or they could sue and actually have legal standing because if you buy a product and it's and it's not working properly or it's not what you originally intended to purchase and they do nothing to mitigate it you know now, obviously, if it's a literal health or physical thing that puts you in jeopardy, that will have a much easier time uh, passing. This is just the game. You can't, you know. I don't know if you could sue them for not dropping a certain amount of content. I feel like they'd win that one. But you have a shot. You could at least give it a stab. 
but more so they would just try to mitigate it. They'd give you a refund, they'd give you a discount, they'd give you the next season pass for free, or they'd let you know what they're fixing. It's those kinds of things. Consumer protection and policies are in place for a reason, and the player choice is a very, very integral part to the gaming experience, in and out of the game, in the menu screens, in the way we load in, in the way we socialize and interact. And live service games, while in its totality can be good, can also erode that level and that barrier of protection because they are allowed to be free to play, or they're dropping free content that maybe should be paid for, but usually not. And they're dropping enough content where it is one of those things where you kind of have to bear with it. So anyway, I hope this was helpful. I know a lot of this I've said before. Uh, I am looking forward to the future of gaming. I do think there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon. And uh, thank you all for listening, and I hope the best. Have a good one, and until next time.